you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, December 31st, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, which is the final Locked on Orioles episode of the calendar year 2021, we are going to hit you with our final free agent Friday of the offseason. We've been running through every position on the diamond pretty much, looking at you know who the Orioles could potentially bring in in free agency once this lockout ends, or even as a minor league free agent during the lockout as well. And we've hit basically every position except for first base and the outfield. And in terms of first base with Mancini and Mountcastle there, guys like Nevin and others waiting in the wings, I don't really see the Orioles bringing in anyone at first base. But we passed over the outfield the first time, and looking back on it, I thought, you know what, even though the outfield is pretty crowded, the Orioles could maybe go after somebody on a minor league deal to bring in an outfielder. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Talk about three outfielders who the Orioles potentially could get on a minor league deal this offseason and had them come in and at least bring some competition or some more competition to the outfield in spring training. We will talk about one guy who was a former top-rated prospect. We will talk about one guy who has actually played in the division as, uh, as early as last year. And we'll talk about one guy who's native to the state of Maryland, who maybe the Orioles could bring home. But that's all coming up on this Free Agent Friday edition of the Locked on Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And, you know, if you like the podcast, maybe you can give us a like, a subscribe, a follow on whatever platform you listen. Remember, we're still the only Orioles pod out there, even bringing you three episodes a week during this offseason and during this lockout. And if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a five-star rating and a review on the Apple Podcasts app, that really helps a lot. And new to the Spotify app, if you are a Spotify listener, you can give a rating on Spotify as well. So if you could also give maybe a five-star rating on Spotify, that would really, really help out the pod. But again, we thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, and maybe your final listen of 2021, depending on how early you are listening to this, it is another Free Agent Friday edition of the podcast. And today... We're talking about outfielders, but specifically outfielders that the Orioles would bring in on a minor league deal, which means some of these guys potentially, depending on what their roster status was last year, could even be signed while the lockout is still going on. But overall, you know, the reason why we're talking about minor league deal outfielders is because it's basically the spot where there's the biggest log jam at the major league level for the Orioles, as we know. Cedric Mullins has center field locked down. Austin Hayes has either left or right field locked down. And then behind them, there's a whole lot of options that the Orioles have already brought to the big leagues or are going to want to get a look at pretty soon in the outfield. Of course, for now, it looks like Anthony Santander is going to start the year with the Orioles. He's probably your right fielder if Austin Hayes isn't left. Then you've got a guy like Ryan McKenna kind of patrolling that fourth outfielder spot. DJ Stewart is still with the team. He's been in the big leagues the last couple of years. He's still fighting for a spot. Then you just look down into AAA, Tyler Nevin, who has already gotten his chance 
in the big league some, can play the corner outfield positions. You're still holding on to Yusniel Diaz despite his really, really rough 2021. He is still there. It is still a top 30 prospect. You've got Kyle Stowers, the co-minor league player of the year for the Orioles last year. He's going to be in AAA knocking on the door. And you even got Robert Newstrom. You know, if he does not get selected in the Rule 5 draft, he's a guy who's going to be at AAA knocking on the big league door as well. So there's so many names in there for the Orioles. But hey, maybe they want to bring in just a little more competition. You know, a minor league deal, spring training invite, bring them in, you know, somebody from outside the organization and see how they compare to guys like McKenna and Stewart and Santander and, you know, Newstrom and, and Diaz and, and whoever else is up in big league spring training. So today we'll talk about three names that fit that mold. And I wanted to start with the guy who is probably the least known across Major League Baseball. He has the least amount of time of these three in the major leagues, but might be well-known in the area by Orioles fans who live in Maryland. And the first guy I wanted to bring up is Troy Stokes Jr. Stokes is a 25-year-old outfielder who can really play all three outfield positions, right-handed batter, just about five foot nine, 200 pounds, and he will be 26 years old in early February, so next year will be his age 26 season. But the reason why I bring him up is that he is a Maryland native, a native of Columbia, Maryland, and he played at Calvert Hall College High School in Towson uh, in the MIAA and was drafted right out of high school by the Milwaukee Brewers in the fourth round of the 2014 MLB draft. He was like the high school baseball player in the state of Maryland, you know, for really a few years there, really 2012 through 2014, felt like everybody knew Troy Stokes Jr. Now, he was committed to the University of Maryland, my alma mater, to play his college baseball. But pretty much once he got that fourth round selection by the Brewers, you would think a, a pretty nice signing bonus as well. He went and signed professionally out of high school. And for Stokes, because he was a pick out of high school, obviously, you know, it takes a little bit longer to get to the big leagues. And he put up some some pretty good numbers in the minor leagues with Milwaukee through rookie ball as a teenager and then got to single A in 2016 and made it up to double A in 2017 uh, at age 21 and had a pretty solid double A season that year. Then in 2018, he spent the entire year at AA at age 22. And in 2019, he spent the whole year at AAA with Milwaukee at age 23. So he was slowly ascending up the ranks. Now, he never had crazy minor league numbers, but he had back-to-back, -back, you know, 19 and 20 homer seasons in 17 and 18. And he was flashing the power 20-plus doubles uh, in four straight years of minor league ball. And the thought was maybe he's close to the bigs. But the Brewers put him on waivers after that 2019 season. And he was claimed by the Detroit Tigers, but he actually never played a game in the Tigers system because he was claimed after the season. The minor league season was canceled in 2020, and he did not get to the big leagues with Detroit in the shortened 2020 season. And it's kind of a weird time with the Tigers because he was uh, never really on a team with them. The Tigers waived him in January of 2021, and the Pirates claimed him off of waivers. And then he kind of started his career with the Pirates. But the numbers, they were not very good for Troy Stokes. In AAA this year, a little bit with Milwaukee, but with Pittsburgh mostly, he hit just 188 in 98 AAA games, 188 average with a 297 on base, 309 slugging, hit just four homers. The power definitely went down. He did steal nine bases, but it, it wasn't what he wanted. But the good thing was he was in the Pirates system, which, you know, Probably talent-wise, that was the worst team in baseball this year. 
And that's why, you know, after the Pirates made some trades at the deadline, Stokes got a shot with Pittsburgh this year. He played in eight major league games, making his major league debut with the Pirates. And it wasn't great. He was two for 18. Uh, He had a double, a single, two RBIs, five strikeouts, a walk, stole a base. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the greatest numbers that you could have. Was also hit by a pitch once. But he did get his feet wet in the major leagues. And now the question becomes kind of, you know, can he get back to the major leagues? He was eventually waived by the Pirates and he was traded by Pittsburgh in June back to the Brewers in a deal that involved a couple other players. He spent the rest of the year in AAA with Milwaukee. But again, you, you know, the numbers with the batting average under 200 just was not anything close to what he had been doing in the Brewers system. And in October, he was granted free agency by Milwaukee and no one picked him up before the lockout started. So, you know, for Troy Stokes, obviously, it would be somewhat of a move to, you know, bring a guy home who grew up in Maryland. But we know Mike Elias doesn't just do things to do things like that. You know, that's more of a Buck Showalter, Dan Duquette. We like our guys. Guys with connections to the Orioles uh, will come back to the O's. The, the issue is, you know, there's not really a lot of data on Troy Stokes. And the question is, you know, what would he do for the Orioles if they did kind of bring him in? Well, first of all, it's pretty good defense in the outfield. And, you know, the the minors have shown that. The, the limited major league numbers have shown that as well. And at the very least, even if you're getting a guy where you're unsure about the bat, if you're bringing in a guy on a minor league deal and you bring him in with this, you know, good defense who can play all three positions and he's got a solid throwing arm and he covers good ground out there, then, you know, maybe at the very least you can have him push DJ Stewart to up his defense and push a guy like Anthony Santander to get better on defense and even push a guy like Robert Newstrom and Kyle Stowers to continue to get better on defense. And maybe that's at least worth it for the Orioles that they can bring in Stokes on a minor league deal and potentially bring him home. But, you know, Stokes is more of the, hey, you know, the the hometown guy play. But the next guy we're going to talk about probably, you could argue, still has the highest ceiling of these three guys. Uh, Former top prospect who hasn't really worked out in the bigs, but Maybe the Orioles could change that. We'll talk about who that is coming up after this. So we'll get to the second outfielder we're going to discuss here on a free agent Friday in just a second. But first, got to tell you about Built Bar and their delicious and nutritious protein bars. And around the holiday season, you know, maybe you missed out on some gifts. Well, hey, a good gift could be Built Bar to someone. But also, it's the new year, pretty much. So that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is getting fit, or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, or maybe even better than a candy bar. And it makes it easier to stick to your resolution, because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, or waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. And these Built Bars, well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Most of the bars contain just 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 net carbs. Compare that to 17 grams of protein. And there's so many flavors that you can choose from, from coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, just to name a few. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
So back on this free agent Friday, talking about outfielders the Orioles could pursue, potentially on minor league deals, I wanted to talk about maybe the most interesting name out there in terms of free agent outfielders that would at least be in the Orioles' price range. And the next guy I wanted to talk about is Lewis Brinson. Of course, the right-handed hitting outfielder who is a center fielder but can play all three outfield positions and is a 27-year-old who will be 28 next May and, of course, was a former first-round pick by the Texas Rangers. He was taken at 29th overall in the 2012 draft out of Coral Springs High School in Florida. And, you know, we know that Brinson was a pretty highly rated prospect for a while once he got drafted by Texas and once he started to get moved around a bit. You know, he moved up the Texas system pretty quickly and he had that incredible year really in 2015 where he went from high A all the way up to triple A. He hit 332. He had an OPS over a thousand across the three levels at just age 21. And Brinson was, you know, a, a consensus top 100 guy. He was looking like one of the best outfield prospects in baseball at that point. But you know, in 2016, he was continuing to put up solid numbers in AAA with Texas. Not as good as the year before, but still pretty good. And then he was traded before he could ever get to the big leagues with the Rangers. And it was in a pretty significant deal uh, right at the deadline in 2016. As the Rangers sent him to the Brewers in that big deal that sent Jeremy Jeffries and Jonathan Lucroy, the reliever and the catcher, to Texas as they pushed for the playoffs in 2016. But Brinson, you know, found a new home in Milwaukee. And the plan was at the, the moment there for the Brewers that, hey, we have found our center fielder of the future. He finished out in AAA that year with Milwaukee. And then in 2017, he spent most of the year really dominating AAA once again. You know, he had an almost a thousand OPS in AAA and he got his call up to the big leagues, but it didn't go well. He hit just 106 in 21 big league games at age 23 in 2017. And it wasn't a big sample size. And he had these great minor league numbers and he was still a highly rated prospect. But then he was traded once again because after that 2017 season, the Brewers made the Christian Yelich trade. And of course, one of the players they sent to Miami was Lewis Brinson, along with Isan Diaz, Monte Harrison, and Jordan Yamamoto, all of which, all four of them, have already played in the big leagues for the Marlins in the Yelich trade. And so then he goes to Miami. So you're thinking, all right, now maybe he's... Miami's center fielder of the future. And they give him a shot. You know, he plays 109 games in 2018 with the Marlins in the outfield. And again, just didn't go well. 199 average, a 577 OPS. It was a struggle for him. And in 2019, he split the year, basically down the middle between AAA and the big leagues. And while the AAA numbers, once again, were really good, the big league numbers were really bad. In 75 major league games with the Marlins in 2019, hit just 173 with a 457 OPS. The numbers were getting worse. 2020, he played in 47 games of the shortened season. Offense got better, 226 average, 636 OPS, and a 70 OPS plus, but still not anywhere close to big league average. And then once again in 2021, he got his shot, but for the first time really you know, was not an everyday player when he was in the bigs. And in 89 games in the big leagues this year, he hit 226 with a 263 on base, a 376 slugging, just a 71 OPS plus, nine homers, 14 doubles, but really didn't walk, did not walk at all. 13 walks in just under 300 plate appearances, 72 strikeouts, not a terrible number, but, you know, just 
really no plate discipline to be found. And the war, you know, according to baseball reference, was zero. He gives good defense, but because the offense is so bad, he basically was a replacement-level player, at least according to baseball reference in 2021. And that was it for Lewis Brinson with the Marlins. He was granted free agency in late November. And kind of domino number one from that Yelich trade kind of failed. And Brinson was the number one guy in that trade. And now you look at Brinson, who's 27, and he'll be 28 early next year. He's still a very, very good defender. Can play all three positions. Great in center. One of the fastest guys in the big league. Still hits the ball hard. You know, his max exit velocity is in the top 15% uh, of baseball. But the question becomes, you know, what can he do at the big league level? And can he at least, at least get to a point where he can produce? Now, you look at kind of what he's done, and this is a guy who just can't hit a breaking ball, it seems. And that's like an old school scouting way of saying what's the deal with a player. But you look at his numbers, hit just 169 against breaking balls in 2021. Hit just 200 against them in 2020. He hit 080 against breaking balls in 2019. Hit 129 against breaking balls in 2018. Hit 071 against breaking balls in 2017. That's not good. That is not good at all when you're basically hitting under 200 against the breaking balls every single year. And he's been a pretty solid fastball hitter over the last couple of seasons. And he's able to generally barrel up some balls and and you know he can still hit the ball out of the ballpark he did hit the nine home runs this year and he still again gets good numbers when he makes contact but the question has basically become for Lewis Brinson can he make enough contact I mean he had a chase rate of 42 percent this year he's swinging at 42 percent of the pitches he sees that are outside the strike zone that is bad plate discipline. So you look at him, you know, the former top prospect with, you know, fantastic defensive numbers, still hit it hard. The Orioles are looking for these guys with still, you know, good exit velocity numbers, which he still has. And his average exit velocity has gone up each of the past two seasons. His average launch angle went up a lot. It went up 6.1% from 2020 to 2021. And so even though the numbers aren't great, you know, those numbers are still something the Orioles would like. And if they're able to get Lewis Brinson, now I don't think they would sign Brinson if they had to give out a major league deal just because there's not a lot of space to play him. But if they could get Lewis Brinson into Baltimore on a minor league deal, bring him to spring training, have him compete, most likely just, you know, have him be a, a player in AAA, try to get him at bats as best you could in AAA. You know, I'm looking down in that AAA roster and, you know, maybe if things broke the right way, let's say your major league outfield is Mullins, Santander, and Hayes with McKenna as your fourth guy. You get rid of DJ Stewart. There is a chance, potentially, that, you know, your four outfielders in AAA are, you know, Robert Newstrom, Kyle Stower, Zach Watson, and maybe Lewis Brinson. And I think with the DH and, you know, with Yusniel Diaz obviously in there as well, but I think he would DH a lot. Between those five guys, I think you could find enough at-bats for Brinson, but also just be able to work with him, with the Orioles' hitting staff, to hone in on those still good exit velocity, still good launch angle numbers, and maybe turn him into something. I think it's still worth it to take a look at Lewis Brinson, who'll only be 28. It's not like he's over the hill or anything. Former first-round pick, former top prospect. 
I think there's a chance there. And I think if the Orioles were to maybe bring in, you know, an outfielder just to bring a little more competition on a minor league deal, Brinson would be the guy. But we got one more guy to talk about coming up next. And speaking of a guy who hits the ball hard but swings and misses a lot, we're going to talk about one more outfielder after this. So we'll talk about the final outfielder the Orioles could possibly pursue on a free agent Friday here in just a second. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag, which has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the College Bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Hey, week 17 this weekend in the NFL, but that's not the last weekend anymore. And uh, you're looking at the Baltimore Ravens. Big game against the Rams. Maybe you uh, put a little money on the Ravens if uh, Lamar Jackson is potentially back for that huge, huge game for them. But overall, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available at BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. So there's one more outfielder I wanted to mention here on a free agent Friday for the Orioles, and that is Danny Santana. And... He kind of fits similar to the Lewis Brinson profile. Well, when he hits the ball, it goes far and it looks good, but he doesn't make contact a lot. He chases a lot and he strikes out a lot. The difference with Santana is, although he was a solid prospect, he was never rated as highly as a prospect as Brinson. And also, he's a little bit older. He is 31, turned 31 in November, a switch hitting 5'11 outfielder out of the Dominican Republic uh, who last played with the Boston Red Sox in 2021. And the difference with Santana too is he's been around the big leagues for a while. He first got to the bigs in 2014 with the Minnesota Twins at age 23 and really just put on a show all the way back in 2014. It's been a really interesting career for Danny Santana, who, you know, was initially signed by the Twins as an amateur free agent out of the Dominican Republic in 2007. And he got to the bigs with Minnesota in 2014. And that rookie year, he finished seventh in AL Rookie of the Year voting. He was dominant in 101 games for the Twins that year. He hit 319. He had a 130 OPS plus and 824 OPS. He had 27 doubles. He had seven home runs. He stole 20 bases out of 24 attempts that year. I mean, he looked like a pretty electric outfielder that season for Minnesota. But he came back the next year and just all that offense went away. In 91 games, his batting average dumped from 319 to 215. The OPS went down from 824 to 532. He went from seven homers in 430 plate appearances to zero home runs in 277 plate appearances. And the Twins were looking around like, what just happened? Now, his offense got a little bit better in limited playing time, 75 games in 2016, up the OPS back to 606. But still, the offense was seemingly gone. And at 26 years old, the Twins were looking around and said, was this lightning in a bottle we got for his rookie year? And that was really it. And so in May of 2017, the Twins kind of gave up on him. They traded him to the Braves for Kevin Chapman just to try to give Santana a new spot because it was not going well after that great rookie year. And he played 69 games with the Braves down the stretch. He had a 602 OPS. And again, it just wasn't there. 
2018, he played in only 15 games with Atlanta at the Bigs, was basically a triple-A player that year, and the offense still just was not there. And it basically looked over for Danny Santana. He was granted free agency, and the Rangers just kind of brought him in on a free agent deal just to, to see what they could get out of Santana. Maybe they could, you know, capture lightning in a bottle. And all of a sudden, they did. Santana just kind of became the hitter in 2019 that he was as a rookie in 2014. He played 130 games with the Rangers in 2019. He hit 283. He had an 857 OPS, which was the career high for him, a 112 OPS plus. He hit by far a career high 28 homers, had never hit more than seven in a year. And basically, he looked like the hitter that we saw as a rookie in 2014 with Texas. I mean, it was a fantastic year for Santana. So, of course, a no-brainer, Texas brings him back in 2020. And then it was just gone. In the shortened season in 2020, he plays in only 15 games, hits just 145 with one home run and 63 plate appearances. And that was it. He was just a flash in the pan again. And Santana was granted free agency after the year. The Red Sox signed him to a one-year deal in March of 2021, hoping to bottle up some of what he did with Texas. And he just couldn't find it. 38 games with the Red Sox this year. He hit just 181 with a 252 on base, a 345 slugging. It was an OPS of just 597. He hit just five home runs and two doubles in his 127 plate appearances with Boston. And seemingly, you know, that offensive stuff was just gone again. And he hit well in the minors, 20 games in AAA. You know, he hit 343 with a 1100 OPS. He was dominating AAA with Boston this year, but then every time they would call him up to the big leagues because he was so good in AAA, he couldn't hit. And he was just the definition of a 4A player. Too good for AAA, not good enough for the majors. And so now Danny Santana, 31 years old, you know, can still hit the ball at times and can still play an okay defense in the outfield. The question is, what is his future in baseball? He's had these two incredible years, one as a rookie and one two years ago. And every other year, to be honest, he's kind of stunk. And so the question is, can a team like the Orioles maybe get him in on a minor league deal and just get him with their hitting staff and, and try to find what has made him good in his two seasons? Now, he has you know pretty good exit velocity numbers still, you know, average of about... 90 miles an hour, you know, max exit velocity, which is ranks up there with some of the, the best hitters in baseball. But you just look at what he's been able to do and just he doesn't make enough contact whatsoever. I mean, we talked about Lewis Brinson with a chase rate. You know, Santana's is high too, 37%. You know, he swings out of the zone. And, you know, he does a nice job making contact with some of those pitches that he chases. He makes contact with more than 50% of them. That's why his strikeouts aren't as terrible. But still, he just swings and misses a lot. And his plate discipline is just not what it was. And he's just not getting as good of swings on the ball as he was at one point in his career. Now, again, he's another guy who has seen his launch angle go up every single year since 2018. It has gotten better and better every year. And that's something the Orioles like to see. Now, his average exit velocity has dropped a little bit, but he's still got pretty good numbers. But that's something that the Orioles can work with. You know, he continues to up the launch angle, continues to have that, you know, big uppercut swing. 
and he, you know, is trying to get to that point where he can be a better home run hitter. Now the Orioles have to focus in on just swinging at better pitches. And that is what the Orioles have done this year. You know, they led so many minor league leagues in in walks. You know, Ryan Fuller was a big part of that. He's now the co-major league hitting coach. And uh, I think that's something they could work with a guy like Danny Santana on. You know, just finding your pitch because telling Santana, when you're making contact with your pitch, you're still a good hitter. You're just not doing that enough, and he's just pressing the issue too much. I think the Orioles could maybe get a guy like Santana in on a minor league deal and try and find what he has had in those two great seasons in 2014 and 2019. But again, I don't see the Orioles going after an outfielder on a major league deal. If they're going to bring in an outfielder, it'll be on a minor league deal, some sort of reclamation project or some sort of defensive specialist to just help out. But it's their biggest logjam between AAA and the majors is obviously at this point that outfield position. But, you know, before we go, uh, speaking of Ryan Fuller, I was just talking about, just did want to give you some some good reading uh, for the weekend Earlier this week, John Mioli of the Baltimore Sun wrote two pieces, one on Matt Borgschulte, one on Ryan Fuller, each of them who were just named by the Orioles, their co-hitting coaches at the major league level for 2022. And Mioli did a great piece, you know, a former guest on this podcast, great piece on each of them about their careers and how they got to this point, their philosophies, really, really good reads in the Baltimore Sun. I definitely recommend going to check that out. But that's going to do it for the week here on Locked on Orioles. And that is going to do it for the calendar year here on Locked on Orioles here recording this uh, for our New Year's Eve episode. I just want to thank all of you who have listened throughout the year. I mean, this was by far uh, the best year in the history of the Locked on Orioles podcast. Uh, It looks like we are going to sit you know, right around uh, about 145,000 downloads in this calendar year, which is just an astounding number. Uh, You know, nothing I even came close to with this podcast in the last couple of years. And frankly, you know, all of my biggest months in the pod have, have come here this year. I mean, my two biggest months in terms of listenership, November and December of this year. I mean, thank you guys for listening, even during the offseason and a lockout. You know, it means a lot. Uh, it's been a great year on the podcast and excited to continue it uh, in 2022, where uh, I will be back with you here on Monday for a Mailbag Monday episode of the pod. Get your questions in either via Twitter at Locked on Orioles or email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com for those mailbag questions. Is We'll be back for our first episode of 2022 on Monday, but again, just wanted to thank you all for listening in all year here in 2021. I know it, you know, wasn't a year of a lot of winning for the Orioles, the major league level, but a lot of good development in the minors. We had some great moments this year from the Orioles, from Cedric Mullins, 30, 30 to Ryan Mountcastle's great season. Of course, Trey Mancini returning to the big leagues, John means no hitter uh, and everything in between still a good year to be an Orioles fan, despite the losses. And hopefully, uh, you know, in terms of record and, you know, the team being bad, hopefully that was rock bottom in 2021. And it's only up from here for this Orioles franchise. But again, thank you so much for tuning in all year here on Locked on Orioles. And I will be back with you to start 2022 on Monday. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.